work hard in your job and the job will take care of you right Correct. that's how a lot of asians have been trained to You're think right. that's how i mean a lot of it's our belief system that's how you were brought up that's how you're going to think throughout your whole life and that's what's going to pass to your kids are you ready to transform your life this is a no nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth even while working full time get ready to take notes here's your host socket jane Welcome back my great to wealth listeners. Today we have the pleasure to talk to James Kandasamy. James, how are you? I'm doing very well, Sanket. Nice to be on your podcast. Thank you. I've been trying to connect with James for a long time. He's he's known, well known in the multifamily circle. So I thought I'll be a great guest. James, you're going to resonate very well with my audience. So thank you again awesome. for showing up. Absolutely. As we start the show every uh-huh. single time, we basically, I mean, name of the show could be a little misleading migrate to wealth we actually don't talk uh-huh. about wealth a lot we mm. talk about migrations right because life's going to migrate to you in one way or the other change is going to happen but we're mm. trying to make that changes change that make that change more intentional so with that context would love to hear your migration story james sure sure yeah i mean i've been to a lot of podcasts but this podcast is going to be special because you know as i said a lot you know your your audience have probably a lot of them you know going to be resonate with this uh, my story and all that so my migrations uh, story is probably different from a lot of people i mean uh, i was in a large semiconductor company in malaysia mm-hmm. and i did not come to the us on a h1b or what i came on a visa called l1a visa oh nice You're the lucky one. <laughs> yeah, the lucky one exactly. <laughs> so L1A is basically a manager level, a supervisor level with a special skill. Well, it's nothing I mean, not to say I'm special, but just a special visa when intercompany transfer. So, so I transferred within this company uh, from Malaysia to the US uh, because they needed me here and I wanted to come as well. So that was the visa that I came. But I think uh, when I was I mean beyond that right because I want to know why did I migrate I guess right mm-hmm. so which is a very yeah. interesting story for me because I get to tell this right now right so <laughs> uh when I was in Malaysia I mean I, we I mean in Asia is very common right I mean every parents will tell you you work you are born you know you study hard you go to college you get a degree right. you get married and you get kids and after that you die right i mean you work hard that's you get very, to get that's a typical assembly line you're right <laughs> yeah exactly uh, you know asian parents tell you every kids you know this do this you know this is how your life it is right you know if you are not a doctor engineer or cpa accountant not successful in life you are right. you're horrible right so yeah. but that's the asian mentality right uh, how our parents were taught and a lot of times our parents are, are hard working uh, people there are people who probably you know who are already rich in in their country but not my parents you know we are basically right. from middle class uh, but they are hard working people who never been in business never even thought about migrating to another country right so mm-hmm. uh, we are like five of us in the family and i was the first one to get into college wow and james was that in india or where were no, you no it, it, it was in malaysia so you were born in malaysia i uh, yeah we are fourth generation malaysia yeah so Got we it. are we are south okay. indian who have fourth generation and in malaysia is very common everybody speaks their mother tongue uh, because right. uh, the culture is very preserved in that kind of countries you know? so yeah yeah it's a very uh, i mean uh, usually when somebody leave the country they try to preserve the culture because you know you get so much of right. separation from the primary culture right so so you see your fourth generation there 
Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Correct. <laughs> so we st- I studied there and uh, you know fully studied there except for my uh, MBA which I did in Australia, right? So an engineer there. I mean, my engineering degree was only five thousand dollars, right? So which is the common thing in the Asia, right? Yeah. Education is very affordable, supported by the government, and right. it's not as much right. as over here two hundred thousand or above, right? Two hundred thousand so, if you're lucky. If you're not becoming a doctor, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I mean, I was happily doing my W two job. Never look mm-hmm. at taxes. I remember second year of my job, somebody gave me a Robert Kiyosaki book, nice. right? Uh, rich dad, poor dad, right? And right. I read after a few pages. Yeah, go ahead. You want to say something? No, no, no. I'm just acknowledging. <laughs> yeah. So what I was saying is a Robert Kiyosaki book, rich dad, poor dad, and I was like, I read a few pages of it and I threw it away. I said, this does this book doesn't make sense. These more business guys. I'm never going to do business, right? Mm. And now everybody's busy working, right? When you are starting yeah. your career, and especially for me, I don't have anybody in my family to tell me this is the route you have to take. Nobody even told me. I mean, college was just like part of the path that I need to yeah. follow as for my education, but nobody even told me what course to do in my college. What's your career path? Because nobody really went to college in my family. Yeah. Right. So. But I had some people who are, you know, from uh, colleges who came to to my school and gave some education because they know a lot of kids in my school don't have that opportunity to get that advice of, you know, right. what to do in college and all that. So that I'm grateful for them. So yeah, busy working W two, you know, fifteen, sixteen years in you know one of the largest semiconductor company in the world, and I came on a on a relocation to the U.S. and one of my boss over here told me, hey, "Why not you stay here?" Right? I mean, at that time. You know, I was expecting my second child, and I was supposed to go back on the last few months before mm-hmm. the second child get delivered. My boss said, "Why not you stay one more month and get the child here? At least you can get U.S. citizenship." Yeah, U.S. citizenship. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking, "Oh, I never really thought about that." Okay, let me just do that, right? So, yeah. so I said, "Okay, let's." Stay so by right then, here. I'm sorry to interrupt, James, but by then you've been in this country for about 15 years. No, 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 no. I came in for like relocation. So I was still an employee in Malaysia. I was still a part of the workforce over there. I came here for like one year, two years kind of thing. So that was just a temporary relocation. Got it. And then where were you given the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? While you were in Malaysia? while you Dad were was when, when, when I was in Malaysia, right? So Got as it. I said, I only read a few pages of it. And after yeah. that, I threw it away. It doesn't make sense at all for me. Right. And it probably doesn't make sense for a lot of you, a lot of your listeners too, because as I said, it's very hard to go out of your thought process when you right. are full-time in your W-2 job, right? right. Uh, and right. you're so busy working. So um, so I went back back and forth on a relocation. Uh, and uh, at some time, I, I, I was so frustrated with the with the growth that I can get in mm-hmm. in Malaysia because, uh, you know, I was trying to do a, uh, a startup, right? Tried to do some uh, something with the internet, and I realized the broadband penetration was so low in Malaysia. Right. Then I said, "Hey, this doesn't make sense. I'm hard for me to make money in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. The number of internet users is not that big." Then I realized the country is small; it's only 30 million people at that time, right? Right. When I came for relocation, one of my engineer told me he was from Hong Kong, and he said, "In Hong Kong, anybody can make money because there's so many people in contents right. in one location, right. right?" So he said, "Just start a business; you'll become rich." I said, "Really? Oh!" So the concept of <laughs> number of people in a country makes sense when you're in a business, right? So that's where I said, "Okay, I have to do some kind of business other than just being an engineer, right?" So I and I decided to come to the U.S. I said, "There's a lot of people; there's 300 million people over here." Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay, let's move over here for better opportunity and unlimited growth. It's a capitalist country, yeah. and and I, I at that time." 
my previous company did not allow me to come because they did not want to lose one employee, right? And I had a PR to go to Australia, I had a PR to go to Canada. I prepared everything to go to some country to immigrate out of Malaysia. Uh, but I told my current employer, I say, hey, if you should just let me go to the U.S., just parent company. And I mean, after some fighting battle, uh, they allowed me to go, right? So, right. so I came to the U.S. I'm, uh, as I say, I'm an engineer. And uh, one day my boss came and told me that, uh, you know, you have to work here 16 years. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> 16 years? They, well, your kids, you have three kids. You know, you have to wait for all your That's talk it. to Wes. Yeah. Because each one of them is going to cost you 200000 But that was the aha moment for me. I said, what? You, nobody right. told me that education is so expensive right. in the U.S. And that's why I realized I need to do some other business because mm. I don't want to be stuck in a company for 16 years. Right. right well, uh, I, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story, Jim. So there's so many nuggets in there, man. We can, <laughs> we can basically talk on that for like next 24 hours and it still won't be enough. Mm-hmm. But we're, yeah, we're yeah. going to tease out a few things there, which I think mm-hmm. is going to be very important for my listeners. Sure, so sure. your journey, of course, you had the opportunity to read Rich Dad Poor Dad. As you correctly said, the book may not make sense to a lot of people mm-hmm. because it's really a paradigm shift. And if you're not ready for a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. uh, the concepts may not resonate with you, right? So that's definitely right. one thing. I think mm-hmm. the second thing, which was your transition, your biggest trigger, it seems, was the shock of the cost of education, which was mm-hmm. really $5,000 in your times in Malaysia versus here, each child at least cost 200 k if not more, right? And if they get lucky with the scholarships and all, but you can't count on that. You have to account for that. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that kind of like, just so our listeners on the same page, the kind of upbringing that you and I had, we want to spend money on our kids' education so they walk out without debt. Right? That's an important context. Absolutely. To make sure everyone resonates with that. It's not that we want to pay. That's really, we feel like that's how we brought up that because our parents didn't put the now, although the amount was very little, but that's a concept we all are brought up with that let's help our kids with the education. Education and marriage, I guess, is the two biggest expenses that are <laughs> in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So the other thing is, personally, I mean, I came to the US mid 30s, right? So I didn't have the 401k or IRA. I didn't have the US money saving. So I only had $80,000 in my bank account, US dollars, right? Because I was Mm -hmm. always paid in Malaysian dollars and I came like recently. I'm only like, I only came like 10 years ago. Now it's 13 years, right? So 2010 is when I first came here. I'm a recent migrant. I reach out without any money. You know, my parents are not rich. I'm the sole breadwinner. So I didn't have a lot of money. And I was like, oh my God, I moved to this country. I brought my entire family with very little money and I right. thought I'm going to build for my house mortgage. Now I realize there's another big expense, which is the right. education, right? So right. that day I was like, okay, I have to do something else. I cannot be just working my W2 job because mm-hmm. it's going to be a big, I, and I do not want to be stuck to a, a job right. for 16 years because now you are a slave to the job. It's called the golden handcuff. Correct, right. right. So, and they put that stock vesting and all, all that's golden handcuff, it's right? Golden that's handcuff, how. That, yeah. That's the reason yeah. why the company gives uh, vesting stocks, right? Compared to a pension. They, they know it. They're smart enough to keep you hanging there, right? So, yes, so now yes, let's yes. talk about your transition because I know you do mm-hmm. you do syndications right now. You're a op- very successful operator mm-hmm. uh, in multifamily arena and new development, mm-hmm. other things that you do. Help mm-hmm. me. So you made a decision. You want to do business. Mm-hmm. How did you pick? real estate as the asset class at that point? Did you have already real estate beyond your single family, primary residence? Or how did real estate come upon? 
Yeah. So, so, so coming back from the aha moment, right? That night, right after my boss told me to look at sixteen, I was like thinking, talking to my wife, what should we do? Then I said, okay, so I, I, I'm, so I know real estate was not the first thing came to my mind, right? Okay. So I said, hey, let's do some software startup, right? I see kids are education, so right. there's some math software. So I was trying to create a math software, and and I used to. Wake up early mornings. Uh, I hired a, a a team in India who's trying to do startup and try to do this software startup. And after like one year, one or one to two years, I realized that oh, this is this uh it's a huge uh, task to take on one person trying to do this huge software startup. Mm-hmm. And I also realized there's a lot more people who are better than me in terms of uh, software that's coming. These are big companies coming with the same math education. If you know this IXL and all that, yeah. they all came. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the time they were launching, and I was when I look oh, at wow. my software, mm. their software. Okay, that's the day I decided I'm not going to do this software because right. I'm one person can't create this nice of a software, right? right? And with, without right. big investment, without a lot of startup cost. So that's one thing I did, and um, and we talked about other options, and uh, you know, my wife uh, was telling me, hey, we used to be lucky with our real estate because. Even in Malaysia, we bought a distressed house. Even our primary house, we mm-hmm. we don't buy the normal house. We said, hey, why not buy a house that need work? And right. we do the work, and we usually mm-hmm. get good money out of it. Uh, so we did twice after we got married, mm-hmm. and uh, we were successful. Then why not we try real estate because it seems to be working out. So that's mm-hmm. where I said, okay, let's do real estate. And I had a friend, my engineer friend, who told me, you know, he he buys rental houses every year. And he makes nine percent per year. I said, "Wow, nine right. percent per year—that's a really good money, yeah, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and it was hundred thousand at that time per house. I said, "Hundred thousand, nine percent—that's not bad, right?" If you put twenty thousand, you can buy. So I, I had a short chat with him. He said, "Yeah, this is how you do it." And I start looking for houses. Yeah. So that's how I got started in single-family rentals. I start buying houses. I had fifty thousand dollars savings, and I bought thirteen houses. So that's nice. the secret. The secret to it, I'm gonna. I mean, people are gonna say, "How did he get fifty thousand, thirteen houses?" And uh, but that was a true story. I, I mean, I started with fifty thousand dollars, but how it got thirteen houses. Um, I mean, we can go into details if you want to talk about what, that. Uh, what year was this? This was about ten, ten, thirteen years ago. So this was yeah. post two thousand eight crisis. Post two thousand eight. Yeah, this was twenty ten, right? So 2010. I mean, my houses. You know, I didn't buy in ten thousand, fifteen thousand. I bought it for. You know the values of houses like hundred fifty, hundred thousand. That's the value. But but I use a, a double closing techniques, right? To build equity, I used to I did you know, direct marketing to sellers. Back right. at the house, so cheap, and you know we fix it up. We do another loan, then we get back the money. So we were rolling the money. So from fifty thousand, we went up to like almost four hundred thousand of equity with right. single family houses. Right. right. So that's how I went into the real estate at that point of time. You know that that's perfect. So let me let me at least simplify it for my listeners because I know you threw a yeah. lot of great great <laughs> stuff out there. So I think what the technique that James is talking about, and we can always, if somebody has a question, as my listener just ping me, shot note, we'll bring James again. Uh, yeah. But for everyone's <laughs> okay. understanding, we were trying the the concept that James is talking about is really leveraging your money, making a closing, right, mm. and buying something that's cheap, which has a little bit of equity built into, and then right after the closing. Pull that equity out, and then use the same equity to buy additional house. Right, so it's basically rolling that fifteen thousand dollar multiple times to create the equity. James, is that uh, in, a, in a simplistic? Uh, not exactly, not exactly. So, so what you do is you buy a house below. I mean, the magic number is sixty-seven percent of after repair value. Right. 
So if it's a hundred thousand after repair value, you buy it at sixty-seven thousand mm-hmm. total purchase price. So you may have buy it for fifty-seven thousand. You have ten thousand of rehab. So the right. magic number is sixty-seven percent. So when you do double closing to another loan, which is at twenty-five percent, you basically can pull out all your money you put in. Right. The second time. So you, it takes a one-year process. So you have, first right. you have to close on the house, you have to remodel it, and then you have to rent it for one year. At the end of one year, you you can cash out that money to another deal, to another loan, and then you can take out that money. Perfect. Right? So yeah, you you don't have to even wait for one year. You wait for three four months. You can do another loan. Right. So that's why within two years we are able to take that fifty thousand and turn it into four hundred thousand of equity. That's awesome. So James, now now tell us from there you were doing fairly well, right? You turned fifteen thousand into fifty thousand fifty thousand into four hundred thousand. That's amazing. Yes. So I'm sure. Yes. Now yeah. you tasted success. You tasted blood. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? Because you're not doing that anymore. Yeah, um, you started doing bigger deals. So how did that migration right. happen? Yeah, not only I just tasted blood. You know, it was a big aha moment that in this country, mm-hmm. a guy like me immigrated to this country without. I'm a different color from everybody else, I guess, right? right. And I was buying from normal population. Right. So there's a big revelation for me that. I can do this in this country. Right? There's yeah. no limit in this country. That's one of the best thing in the U.S. Right? There's no law that preventing anybody from creating wealth. Correct. I, I think there is the no law, but there's limitation in your head, right? Limitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what. Absolutely. That's what will prevent you from from being successful. Successful in Correct. material terms and other ways as well. It's really mm-hmm. our limiting beliefs, right? That yes. And yes, I came correct. in this country. I'm pretty sure you had the same thing. I'm like. I don't know. I don't know anything. My parents are not rich. I don't have money. I don't know how to do it. I don't even know how to ask. So mm. let me just continue working nine to five. I'll be fine. Right. Yes. And then of course, yes. these moments of time where you have an aha moment, you realize I need to think differently. And that shock sometimes I believe is mm-hmm. very necessary because once you're shocked, now mm. you're ready to look at something differently. I think in your case, it was that cost of education. Because yeah, right? exactly, and then exactly. and you being bearing the responsibility, and then you started looking at different ways because those ways were always in front of you. Robert Kiyosaki came in your life; that book came in your life several decades ago, right? Way exactly, ahead. but you chose yes. not to read it because of whatever mindset you had at that time. Yep. Now you're kind of funny enough; you're doing the same thing. You started doing the same thing after yep. that because those are some of the techniques that he talks about. Now yes. with Kiyosaki's book, he doesn't tell you how; it is he tells he tells you what. So you still mm-hmm. have to cross that bridge. I think in your Correct. case, you had a friend and all that. So that's amazing. So now mm-hmm. tell us your journey into the mm-hmm. world of bigger deals. <laughs> bigger deals. Before that, I want to cover something that you covered, which is, you know, the revelation and the mindset and all that. Right? It's it's not only the revelation, right? I mean, everybody would have reveals would have you know got hit with some big aha moment. Yeah. But your network of influence is very important. True. If you are going to your W two job, you're meeting the same guy over and over again, Very and when true. you go for a party, you know your friend's party or your family party, which a lot of people do, right? And you're going to meet the same people. You never met that one guy who's doing different things from you, right? Right. So, out of the listeners that listening, I mean, the listeners that listening right now, I mean, there is there's a reason why you're listening to this kind of podcast because there's something attracted 
you to listen to this kind of podcast. Right? Otherwise, you'll be like, I'm busy with my work. I'm going to go and do my tech job right. or I'm going to listen to podcasts, which is very techy, right? Which is the common. Right. 95% people are going to be stuck there. There's 5% who I call it will break out from this group of circle of influence. Right. So my advice to your listeners is talk to a different guy. Don't talk to the same guy over and over again because you're going to right. be stuck in that mentality of that W2. That is so H2. true. <laughs> that is so true, Jim. You, you know what they say? Your network mm-hmm. is your net worth. Yes. Now, that is yes, not a right. cliched statement. It's actually it's a very, definitely very true not. statement because in mm-hmm. your case, in my case, all of the all of us have been where we are right now. It's not because of something we did. Mm-hmm. It's something that we got exposed to because of our network and we just followed through. Yes. And correct. Everyone on this show is very smart. Right. Everyone is trying to explore new things is smart. The smartness is not a problem, but you actually don't need smartness. Right. That's the challenge in this business or any business. Smartness doesn't mean anything. Your network mm. is most important. You learn yes. things. Yes. The mechanics is easy. The network and the mindset is the most important thing. Yes. And once they pass network, net worth, right, or network or net worth, once they go to a certain out of their network, there's another one more thing. It's the mindset that what you yeah. mentioned. Right. But in the mindset, they need to be some kind of deciding factor. What kind of mind, what kind of risk are they allowed to able to take? Right. Because a lot of people would talk to a lot of business guys, but they go back home. They said, I don't want to do that. That's too much risk. I'd rather stay in my W2 job. Right. And one example is, which was another aha moment for me, is like when I was in a big, this largest semiconductor company in the world. Are you allowed to say which company? No, I don't want to mention that. But they are really good companies. I love them so much. I learned yeah. from them so much. So we had a development, personal development class, which is very rare, right? Everybody mm-hmm. talks about you know work and project management. All personal. So I went, we just had 50 people in that class, personal development. Yeah. And the, the instructor, the first day, you know, eight o'clock that morning, first question is, he write three points. What's the highest priority for you? First is safety of job. Mm-hmm. Second is, uh, do various jobs. Third is, um, you know, do a, have fun in the job and learning and have fun right. in the job. And 95% of the people race for number one. Huh. Everybody wow. wants safety. And that was another aha moment for me because I was number three. Right? I want to have fun. I want to do, yeah. <laughs> I want to do jobs. Job, even though I'm one of the largest semiconductor company in the world, which does a lot of things, you know, in a similar fashion, very process centric and all that. But I like to move to departments which has a lot of problems. Correct. Right. Correct, so correct, that was correct. just me. I like to do that. So I, that was another aha moment. I said, okay, not everybody want to think like me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so if any of your listeners thinks that business is difficult and very risky and you don't want to take the risk, it's okay. It's nothing wrong. Yeah, I actually think there's, I, th- I think there's, I'll just shift it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think the number one, which was essentially job safety, safety because safety in my job, mm-hmm. I really don't think that exists. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think that. Now, number three exists everywhere, right? If you're, and if you're having fun, chances are your job's going to be safe. Mm-hmm. But if your first motivation is for you to have security in your job, chances are at some point the axe is going to drop on you like me, right? Mm-hmm. It dropped on me. It dropped on a lot of people. It is getting dropped on a lot of people right now, unfortunately, correct, correct. Yes, for yes. no personal reasons. For You yeah. may be doing an amazing job. You may be the top star, but the economy is not in your favor. The company is not going to be able to sustain you, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing personal about it. It's all business. So I really mm-hmm. think that first one is safety, yep. right? which is what probably people should start thinking more about. Because I think in your mind, 
mm-hmm. your safety bucket somehow got shifted as well, right? Exactly. Because, oh, my family, I'm not able to provide for my family's education, your kid's education, which mm. is part of because you thought if you continue working, whatever salary you're getting is going to be enough with your investments and everything else to sustain the education. But mm. that safety bucket got shifted. And the mm. moment that happened, automatically your risk appetite went up, right? Absolutely, because you're like, absolutely. that was risky to begin with. Let I me know. just take on additional <laughs> risk, which I have more control on. Correct, correct. That's right, yeah. But it's also the problem is our upbringing, right? A lot of times our right. parents have told us that your job is your God, yeah. right? Work hard in your job and the job will take care of you. Correct. Right? Correct. That's how a lot of Asians have been trained to You're think. Right. That's how, I mean, a lot of it is our belief system. If that's how you were brought up, that's how you're going to think throughout your whole life. And that's what right. you're going to pass to your kids. Yeah. People say money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> right? It's a very common thing in Asia. Yeah. Right? But that's how we were told from, mm-hmm. and we tell that to our kids too, right? <laughs> yeah, right? I think we're I, passing on the same limiting beliefs, right? Unless we keep a check on that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So unless there's an external factor come in, there's a book that you read, mm-hmm. or you listen to this kind of podcast where somebody like me or somebody like you telling completely different things. Right. Right? Hey, these guys are not talking the same thing. And you have that revelation and you go back home and you're taking action. I mean, that 95% of the people who are listening right now is going to listen to this or these guys' stories are nice and they will never change their life. Right? <laughs> Hopefully not. But yes, chances are yeah. there are very high likelihood. Yeah. You're right. I just want 5% of the listeners here right. to go back and think about what you and I have talked. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know these atoms, right? Atoms and electrons and all that. Correct. And to fly, to go from one electron band to another band, you need to have some kind of energy coming. Energy, in. yes, completely. Yeah, agree. If you don't have that energy, you cannot go to the next level. Right. You'll be always circling in the same band. Right. Right. So you need that external why. You know, something happened in your family. Yeah. Something triggered in your in your mind that oh, these guys are talking completely different. Let me go and investigate. At least go and investigate right. what we are talking about. Right. Especially in the U.S. U.S. is a capitalist country. Yeah. Here you right? can definitely, if you can't do it here, you cannot do it anywhere. You cannot do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is the perfect place to try for yeah. sure. No, I agree with that. Not so, only perfect, not only perfect place. That's the reason why you came to the US to work. Yeah. If you want to be just a normal W2 employee, you can be in any country. Correct. Correct. Right. Correct. I mean, yeah, of course, the exchange rate and all that, but you're giving up your family life and all that. But there's a reason why you came here, right? And you should capitalize on the largest resource in the US which is not working in a tech job, right. the largest resource in the US is be a capitalist. Yeah. It's the most capitalist country in the world, right? Correct. Correct. And they encourage capitalism. It's not like they don't, right? Oh, yeah. They want yeah. they want smart, smart people to be given capital so that they become, right. you know, they create jobs and all that, right? But you have to take that initiative and you have to understand that fact where you are. And I mean, as I said, I mean, as I said, 5% of these listeners is going to do something today. Right. which I really want them to do because I want to inspire people and I've I've inspired a lot of people out there. People see us successful. They see me in Facebook. Say, wow, this guy, you know, he's a tech guy. He's doing, you know, multi-million Looks dollars. Looks like me, deals. talks like me. Yeah. Similar backgrounds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, I, and, and, and I'm happy with that because I go to conferences, people come to me, they tap to me, James, you inspired me in that podcast. I said, right. okay, I'm so, I never met them, but I'm happy that I do that and I want that 5% to, you know, to come up over here. So, I don't know where did I drag on, but let's no, go to the next question. <laughs> this, this is actually perfect, right? This is what this podcast is about. It's Absolutely. not about 
sharing the mechanics because I know I can get step one to step 10 within mm-hmm. five minutes of your time. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah. think it's the most important thing. The most important thing is the push, the extra energy, right? The extra, we want to cross the next boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. So that extra okay. energy. So those conversations were great. Those mm-hmm. discussions were great. James, I do want to ask you, because mm-hmm. one of the very key things what you did in your life is mm-hmm. you wanted to play big, right? Mm-hmm. You could have stayed in the single family area. Your 400 could have become 800. Your 800 could have become 1.6. At some point in time, you mm-hmm. had the recipe sorted out. You had the network and you have the success and the experience, right? Mm-hmm. So why did mm-hmm. you pick to play in multifamily or new development? So, yes, everywhere we are getting limited, right? So when you have limitations, you want to think about how, how do I go to the next level? Yeah. Right. So when I had limitation in single family, I mean, I, everybody can buy like 10 houses probably. So, and if you, have, you and your wife work out some kind of things, you can buy about 20 houses. But there's a lot of limitations to that. Your time becomes very critical, right? Because now you have a lot of houses to manage. Right. And you are managing yourself. So time was a big factor. So I moved to multifamily, which is more than five units. We started with 45 units. We started mm-hmm. 174, 346. You know, now you know, we used to own like 4,000 units. And now we own like 1,500 because we sold quite a number of it, right? So, mm-hmm. but we're also doing a lot more larger deals right now in terms of land development, ground-up constructions and all that, yeah. right? So... Yeah, you always want to challenge yourself. Otherwise, your life is too boring. I agree. I agree, yeah. Right? After you make a million dollars or two million dollars, are you going to get a five-tire car? Are you going to go <laughs> to a different grocery store than the no. millionaires? There's no other grocery store for millionaires. Right. Right? Correct. Right. Right. So life doesn't improve in exponentially after two, three million dollars. Yeah. Right? So what is the next step, right? You need that thirst in yourself. Right. People talks about retirement, but retirement is boring. Retirement is for you know people who are who don't have any vision or any right any passion in them, right? For me, I we want to do something big. We have a five hundred one c three foundation which helps the third world country kids. We have like four hundred fifty awesome. kids, so we are focused on making that into a million kids, right? So we have to push ourselves to achieve that goal because. I mean, I've, I'm sitting in my office. It's a 6,000 square feet office. We have like 50 people working for us. We were happy working from home because we were making millions of yeah, dollars. Less overhead. Yeah, less, less overhead, millions of dollars yeah. and all that. But it's like we can't grow to our foundation uh, target if we are just working from home. Yeah. And we said, okay, we have to go and get an office. We have to grow the company. We have to get more people working under us so that we can. So that's the end goal, I would say. Yeah. The end goal is That's, not to be wealthy or rich. As I said, after two, three million dollars, you can't get wealthy anymore. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. No, I actually love that, right? Because oh, I think one of the things that you and I resonate very well with, my goal and my wife's goal, both of our goal is to support K through 12 education of 100,000 mm. kids in India oh, good. on a sustainable good. manner, not through good. donations, through investments uh, mm. by 2030, right? And that is the big why. Everyone, oh, good, good. like if we were to say that, you know, we just want to have a comfortable life and take $100,000 vacation. We can do it today. Anyone can yeah. do it today, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's enough money available that you can make today to get there. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do after one or two vacations? You're going to feel pretty empty, right? As you said, mm-hmm. you got to have a why that's bigger than you, hopefully. So that provides you that energy boost that you were looking for to cross the band, right? Yeah, you have to cross it's, another level of band. <laughs> you have to keep, and, and once you hit that million kids in your case, I'm sure you won't stop there. You'll get yeah. to 100 million. You got a billion kids. Oh, that's very scary. No, so don't scare no me. Limit. <laughs> There's no limit to it, right? 
Because correct, correct, a guy correct. like you and I, we won't stop at just accomplish our goals because mm. our life doesn't end, right? We need something bigger. We need we need an impact, which is bigger yeah. than that. Yeah. Well, well, James, we're taking, I want to be respectful of your time. You know, I love this conversation. Sure. I think sure. it's, it's amazing to hear pretty much myself because it's, <laughs> I think my listener is getting bored, but for me talking about this stuff. So it's good to hear from you as well, which is similar concept that we're talking about. So good. we will shift gears a little bit. There's two questions that we end with usually. The first sure. question would be, of course, you'd had a very interesting life. I would say call mm-hmm. it interesting. There's mm-hmm. ups and downs like anything like anyone. No, there's a lot of downs. I don't want to sound flowery or easy. This is nothing easy. We make nothing a lot of mistakes. Nothing in life is easy, right? Nothing no, in life. It's, no, no. it's supposed, it's, it's life's tough. not it's supposed tough. to be easy. Life's yes. supposed to push you, and which is mm-hmm. what life is doing for everyone. Now, mm-hmm. what would you want to tell your younger self, right? Because let's say the guy who got the rich dad, poor dad, 15, 20 years ago after you took the action. What do you want to tell that guy when he was pretty innocent and naive, kind of like because of the exposure that he or she had? What would you want to tell at that point of how to look at migration in life? So, I mean, so I say when I was young, I never thought about migrating out of my country. Never of thought about it, right? So, I, yeah. and I, as I said, none of my family members, you know, passed college and they have never migrated and yeah. uh, but you know what i would say is migration is not it's not a really a need that i have to migrate but i know that was out of necessity and out of drive and all that but mm-hmm. you can do this anywhere right but but what i'm saying is uh, you should try to get out of your network go and yeah. talk to someone else who who has different ideas right get a mentor maybe at early age get a mentor from somewhere else who can mentor you through life it can be a family members or someone else i mean even my kids or what i know we have to tell them something different from what they listen from the normal traditional parenting messages right so so that's what i would have tell i mean if someone would have guided me better in the earlier part you know we probably would end up in the same place i wouldn't have changed my life anyway would have been a much more thoughtful discussion to have uh, very early in the game of course now that's amazing and uh, james what is your one wish and desire for humanity to migrate to like what do you see lacking in humanity i know it's a bigger question just helping others is what is lacking i don't know whether it's lacking or not but that's what i would wish for because i think everybody who's born in this life is not to make money or not to be wealthy but to make an impact in other people's life and money is just a tool yeah and if and you have money you can it. help other people correct and you guys are doing that phenomenally you and your wife mm-hmm. so so thank you for walking the walk walking the absolutely so appreciate that so james i am pretty sure after this insightful conversation the listeners want to get in touch with you so where can they find you my friend my email is james at achieve investment group achieve is like a-c-h-i-e-v-e achieve investment group come to my website achieve investment group just subscribe to our newsletter and our newsletter is being read by almost four thousand people every week so it's amazing uh, yeah there must be something good in there Absolutely. Absolutely. We put a lot of value, you know, it's very, very highly quality content newsletter. So I would come come to my website and subscribe to it. And if you want to get one of my book, uh, it's called Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate. If you see here, mm-hmm. you can go to PassiveInvestingInRealEstate.com, PassiveInvestingInRealEstate.com. You can get the book for four ninety five shipping or what, but it's the same book being sold in Amazon for $20. 
and uh, so you know you can go to book. My, that's awesome absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah get that book you know you can read about how to invest in commercial real estate you know one of the way for you to create wealth while working in a w2 job yeah there are the ways for you all to get in touch with me awesome well james thank you again for the insightful conversation for sharing your wisdom sharing your insight we really really appreciate that and i would love to have you back on the show we'll take that offline sure. and have a conversation about it <laughs> absolutely absolutely awesome perfect all right thanks thank Akeem. you james buddy thank you man this was actually a great conversation man <laughs> okay um, good good of good of course we took it in a direction which is where i wanted to take it you naturally went there which is perfect yeah 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 i think you did well stopping me so that you i don't divert from uh, topic right sometimes uh, well that's fine you, know, you got so much wealth of knowledge in your head man yeah you're going to do yeah So James <laughs> I would love to maybe connect with you again I, I'll I'll drop you yeah. a note and I'll send okay. you my calendar link if you don't okay. mind pick sure, a time sure, that sure. works for you I'll work around your schedule Yeah then, yeah let's uh, talk about let's your vision for the kids and all that and see I we'll love that man I didn't even know you, where you were doing that this is perfect Yeah yeah we're going to be I mean we had it for past what a uh, 7 years maybe 7 years we have been putting our own money Okay and we created the 501c3 two years Dude, ago. Dude, I would love to learn everything about it because I, that's yeah. exactly where my head is at right now. Good, We're trying good, to create good. one. We're trying to think is it the right time or not. I would love to hear from you. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. set up some time we'll talk and see. We'll do. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.